Alistair and I went uh, camping. My, one of my sons has a uh, cabin and, and then right next to the uh, National Forest. And what is it? It's between the National Rainier. and Mount Rainier. So it's, it's butted right between those two. One side is the National Forest and the other is Mount Rainier Park. And uh, a little stream running through it and it's got a number of little cootie type. It's just fantastic. So we, my, our grandson, Dylan, who's now 15, uh, flew over from Virginia and we took him camping there, played in the stream. So we missed most of the heat wave here in Portland, which was really fortunate. And, uh, and then he left on Friday morning and I could feel this really big tug in my heart. I was sad. I didn't want him to go. And I was just reflecting on that. Thank goodness for the, the teachings, you know, just reflecting on, yeah, this is the circumstances is a tug on my heart. I feel a little sad. I'm, I'm not sad because he is leaving. I'm sad because I don't want him to go. And, and that's just such a, you know, just even bringing that up as I'm feeling, as I'm giving him a hug goodbye and feeling that little tug is a, it's a relief. It's like a balm in the moment. It's not your fault that I'm sad. It's my not wanting to let go of this really lovely experience that we just had. I want more. <laughs> and my not wanting him to go is, a, you know, is my delusion that my happiness is dependent on another being. That my sadness is the fault of another being, as opposed to it's just a circumstance. And so accepting the circumstance doesn't mean I don't feel sad. It means I don't apply the responsibility of my sadness outside of myself. I still feel sad. I mean, even bringing it up, I'm still sad. I can still feel it. Oh, I want Dylan to come back. I want a longer period with him. I'll let him know when it's time to go. He's 15. I'm sure that time will come. <laughs> so, but it's just, a, it's a really lovely balm in, you know, it's a, it's like a soothing, cooling Bengay. <laughs> you know, it's a relief to accept yeah, it's a human realm. There is sadness. Change can bring sadness. It doesn't mean that there's anything wrong or somebody needs to do something different. It means I'm sad for the moment and this, too, this will pass. And accepting that this is a human realm, there is discomfort, there are moments of 
you know, where the conditions arise that are uncomfortable, are sad, but we don't need to get angry about it. Uh, we don't need to fight it. We can accept it. This is painful. And as we accept it, it moves along much quicker for out of suffering into just acknowledgement of the sadness. And it doesn't have to go into suffering. It doesn't, it's not an indication that anything's wrong. Wanted to, I'm just trying to think if I have time to do this, actually. There's a, let me, <laughs> let me back up for a minute. Uh, this morning, I sat down to go over the year that we've had here for the Friends of the Dhamma um, for my little uh, bit of sharing for the annual meeting. And I was really impressed. Like I had forgotten how much we have done in this past year. What goes through my head when I think about this last year is how often we've had to close down, you know, how, how we've had another, yet another full year of mostly not being able to get together or then, so going back online, closing up, going back online. But every chance that we had, such as now, it's like August, two years, over two years since the pandemic, and we still have to wear masks. And we don't know what's coming in the fall. We may have to go back only online. We don't, we just don't know. And yet with all of this, with all of this inconvenience, we have been able to maintain a, a visitation, uh, you know, a, a lot of visits from monastics and uh, including Debbie Stamp, you know, resident of Abayagiri, lay minister. We have been able to hold uh, meetings every week with the exception of the PABA for the Pacific Hermitage last year, which was just incredibly successful and beautiful. The gathering together, all masked up and outside. <laughs> you know, it's just absolutely f amazing and beautiful to have reminded myself as I'm going through this that, oh, it's not all bad. It's not all sad. There's so much to be grateful for that's happened just over this last past year. So I won't go through reading that off, but uh, as I will in, in our uh, second half of the meeting, but I was just struck by how my mind tends to forget what I'm grateful for, how much there is to be grateful for and worry about 
you know, the, the, can we keep this going? Uh, and yet we're keeping it going. We are literally financially in this moment in a better place than we were at the beginning of the pandemic. We have a bigger challenge because, you know, we need to refinance. So that's scary to have to refinance right now with a, you know, interest rate going up, up. I mean, it's phenomenally high right now. And that's going to be a shock <laughs> to our system. And yet, so is COVID a shock to the system. And we, we hung in there. We did it. Uh, so, you know, we'll see. I remember when I first asked Lumpur if he would take me as his student, formally take me on as his student. It's like 25 years ago. And he said, yes, that door is open to you. And before I left to buy a Gary, we had our first sit down meeting. And I was nervous about leaving Abaya Gary because there was such, I felt such an amazing um, refuge uh, at Abaya Gary and with Lumpur Pasano in particular. There was a very strong cooling of my heart that I actually attributed to him as opposed to my understanding starting to listen to the Dhamma and actually absorbing it and taking it in. So I wanted some kind of connection uh, with him, uh, with Abaya Gary. So I was talking to him about that and uh, came up with, I'm going to go back up to my, um, go back up to Portland, go back to my art studio, going to open it up, put out the word to, whoever wants to come and sit in the style of a bike, Gary. Uh, you know, I don't know if anyone will come. And he just like, he said, don't worry about it. Don't worry. The Dhamma takes care of the Dhamma. Stay connected with the Dhamma and the Dhamma will take care, you know, of the, of the stream of Dhamma. And that means accepting whatever, you know, don't fight it. Don't try to predetermine what's going to happen because of your wants and desires, what you feel you need. Pay attention to, because the Dhamma will speak to you if you actually stay connected with the integrity of the teachings. And that's proved itself over and over again. That doesn't mean that this center will go on forever. It, we all know it won't at some point. But for now, having a community that draws together to uphold our individual responsibility to end our own suffering and to understand that, to be able to do this together in a community, to support each other in attending to our challenges, attending to our defilements as they arise, seeing them, allowing them to be present, acknowledging them and supporting 
each other, by trusting each other, that we're not going to just walk away because we've shown something that we wish we hadn't shown. We're not going to walk away from this person. We're going to stick it out because we trust what we're doing. We trust the Dhamma. We trust that we're connected. And we appreciate the work that each of us are doing. And we know, we see, we recognize when somebody, defilements come up within the community, most likely the first thing that happens to us is, oh my gosh, that's what that looks like. <laughs> I know what that feels like. You know, and so we can have some compassion. We all make mistakes. We all have defilements. We're all working on it and we're working on it together. It's an amazing thing to be able to do within a community, to build that kind of trust. Oh, it's just very, very fortunate. We're very, very fortunate. And I am so grateful that I can be the imperfect leader of a community that I am, you know, and, and find support because we're all human. We're all in this realm together. I just started swimming again as a form of exercise because I, I have osteoporosis, I have a bad knee, I have a bad back, and I just I can't do the kind of exercises I used to do. I can't do the, the kind of hiking. I can't even walk long distances. <laughs> I certainly can't run. Uh, so I'm swimming again, which is really good for, for my um, body. And what comes up for me? What do I get to work with? <laughs> I'm 60, I'm almost 68 years old. A few weeks from now, I'm going to turn 68. I have a 68 year old body that's had three children. I don't like the way I look in a bathing suit. This, this comes up for me. That's a challenge. I don't want to put on a bathing suit, but I do want to take, I do want to swim. I'm not a great swimmer. I'm not a good swimmer. I love to, I love to be in the water. I don't know how to do the crawl. I think the crawl is this, is that the crawl? Yeah. I don't know how to do it. I've never been able to do it. I've never, I shouldn't say been able. I mean, I could do it, but I've, I've never had a lesson. I don't know how to do the breathing that people do. And I've always wanted to learn. And yet what holds me back is I'm embarrassed. I'm 68 years old and I don't know how to do the crawl and I look bad in a bathing suit. <laughs> and so I get, to, I get to deal with this. I am going to take lessons. I am putting on a bathing suit. I am going swimming. Uh, in, the sw in, the, in the style that I do, and I get to listen to, I don't want it like this. I want to be like that person over there. She uh, looks like they're about 26 years old. <laughs> and they probably are on a swim team. They're doing the butterfly in the slow lane. <laughs> it's like, yeah, it's so silly. It's so silly, but it's still a very good practice 
you know, to, because it's the exact same process, you know, of dealing with, it's not a defilement, but it's a really silly habit, you know, so it's a little easier to work with, but it's the exact same process of working with this habit of, I don't look good in a swimming suit. What does that mean? So what? I'm, I am, I'm 68 years old. Of course, I've got an old lady's body. When I'm 85, I'm going to be like, when you were 68, you kept saying you were an old lady. <laughs> now you're an old lady. <laughs> you were not old at 68. I'm saying that because that, that was my mom <laughs> used to say that. And I'm like, yeah, I'm not, I'm not really that old, but I don't look good in a swimming suit. What does that mean? It's me comparing myself with another person and wanting to be like them rather than like me. I don't want the conditions. So if I look at it like that, then that's the problem. That's where I'm suffering. It's not that I have a 68-year-old body and that person over there has a 25-year-old body. That doesn't make me suffer. What makes me suffer is wanting to look at 68 like I'm 25. <laughs> it's just not going to happen. So that wanting can be recognized and seen for what it is that the conditions are not that. So drop that wanting. You know? Our ego doesn't want to drop it. And we can like, well, that's suffering. We can just look at it's the same process. That's that's uncomfortable. It's not a big deal and we can avoid it. I cannot go to the swimming pool. But I can also take advantage of this, these conditions to accept these conditions, to practice accepting the conditions as they are. That acceptance is a cooling. That the, there is no suffering in that acceptance. There's a recognition of the ridiculousness of the habit of running away from realizing the conditions, from realizing what's making me suffer. It's so silly. Last week I spoke about my granddaughter who wanted the bigger ice cream cone and tried to trade her little ice cream cone for the bigger ice cream cone. And the, the suffering that she was showing from not getting what she wanted and then realizing she's not going to get it and just dropping it, you know, just, I, I love this image. It's so simple. This is the end of suffering. <laughs> Drop the wanting. I need it to be like this. I don't actually need you not to walk away from me. I don't need the community to stay put. But I would be very sad if, you know, if anyone did decide that's it. And not just for myself, but for the opportunity that they're missing out on. So compassion arises when we start to recognize that the suffering 
lies within our own hearts of wanting things to be other than they are. And the escape is recognizing that that wanting, that clinging on to wanting, that is what we can let go of and relax. It doesn't mean that we don't wish things. I wish my grandson could spend more time with us. I look forward to and hope that he returns again next year. But I won't demand it. We can't accept. Oh, yeah, these conditions are a little bit sad. When people pass away, Alistair's dad is in his last, well, his last year anyway, I would suspect that it's probably more like three to six months. We don't know, of course. But, and I find that really sad. And I, I find myself wanting to prepare that we make sure that we're available to get back there as the um, time comes close. And I can feel that even speaking about that. I can feel the sadness. In this case, it's a lot easier to not want it to be different because old age, sickness, and death, it does happen. So even in cases like this, it's really beneficial to pay attention to the process of accepting the conditions, even though they may be sad, even though we would rather it not be this way, accepting the conditions when we can. Pay attention to to being able to do that. Pay attention to the process. Pay attention to what happens in the heart when we cling to wanting things, people, uh, circumstances, conditions to be other than they are. Pay attention to when we accept this is how it is. The relief, the coolness, the calmness that comes. You know, and the next time we find ourselves in community and we see somebody going through something that we recognize as a real clinging to wanting conditions to be otherwise, see if you can bring compassion in your heart as opposed to resentment or annoyance because we know that person's suffering and we recognize we recognize that process of suffering. And we can just not, we can accept this person as they're going through their own process, not correct them, not try to teach them otherwise unless they ask for it, but to hold them in our hearts and wait for them to recognize that their suffering is their own clinging as opposed to the circumstances. Providing this space so that anybody can come, anybody can go, anybody can come back. It's all safe.